everyone. Welcome to the show. We're so happy you're here. This time we're doing things a little bit differently. So first of all, you'll notice we're not going to do a check-in today because we have a lot to talk about. Um, we are, as you, for those of you who have been following along with us for a while, you may have noticed that as our podcast started out, we were talking a lot about love and relationships in all kinds of different ways. And of course, over the past oh, six months, almost a year now, no, maybe not a year, six months or so, we've been talking more about relationships and communication with a focus on a certain show or something that we're looking at together. Uh, and so whether it's Love is Blind or Ted Lasso, we've been looking at relationships and communication, watching a show. And so that's what we're going to continue with over the next several episodes. Now we'll be talking more about season three of Ted Lasso. And we're so glad you're with us here for this exploration. You know, one of the reasons we like to do this is because as you are looking at relationships and kind of thinking about communication dynamics, it's so valuable to have a concrete thing to look at and to observe as we talk about how you might implement these in your own life. So we're excited to like officially be focused on Ted Lasso through at least through the end of season three. Um, and also just to note, this is kind of a very special episode because this is coming out, you all probably noticed you're getting a bonus episode this week. And you'll also notice that our schedule for getting episodes out is going to shift a little bit so that you can listen to us talking about each episode of Ted Lasso uh, a little bit closer to when it comes out. So our plan is to try to get episodes out on Fridays now that will recap and kind of explore that episode that aired that week and the Ted Lasso episodes. If that is, that's some housekeeping that we needed to address. Yeah. And we're so excited to be able to follow along in a more current way. This doesn't always happen with a show, but we're really excited that we get to do that. So, so in, <laughs> thank you for mentioning that you'll get bonus episodes this week, yes. bonus episodes. And this is a super bonus episode because we're going to talk through episodes one through five, which are all the episodes that have come out now. We're going to talk about them in a certain way. So you'll, you'll follow on, along with us, but just know we're looking at episodes one through five in this, in this episode today. Yep. We're getting caught up, which it was yes. a lot of Ted Lasso to watch all at once, guys. We, it was, but it was great. It was a <laughs> lot of Ted Lasso this week. And as somebody who naturally will just watch shows twice, this <laughs> a third or fourth time in quick succession was a lot. It was a lot. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, so we're going to, we'll, we'll do a quick recap of what has happened in these first five episodes with the show. And then we're kind of going to go uh, character by character and be looking at uh, some of the things that have been happening with them and keen into stuff specifically around relationships and communication. So that's the plan. Oh boy, let's go. Here we go. All right. <clears throat> so a quick recap. Almost everyone seems to be in the middle of their dark forest. The team has been on a roller coaster. They started at the bottom of the league with the addition of Zava. They catapult to the top only to find themselves struggling after a particularly rough loss to West Ham, helmed by everyone's least favorite kit man, Nate. Faced with Zava's out-of-nowhere retirement, the team is poised at a critical place. Will they come together? We will see. Will Trent Krim's book be a tragedy or a fairy tale? 
Meanwhile, Rebecca is finding herself sliding back into her fixation on Rupert with his purchase of West Ham. After a year of growth, she's stagnated, but a psychic has some interesting premonitions. Ted starts the season asking a valid question, what is he still doing in London? His attention torn between Kansas and Richmond, everyone agrees he's a bit of a mess, but a mess with some potential. Roy and Keeley have parted ways, both attempting to find footing in their new careers. Keeley begins to learn how unpleasant it can be being the boss, but has found an interesting connection with her investor. Jamie is starting to step up as a leader. Sam is opening a restaurant. Colin has a boyfriend, but nobody knows. Higgins is questioning whether Ted's role should come to an end, and Beard now attends Codependence Anonymous with Jane. Finally, Nate may be realizing that fame isn't quite as wonderful as he anticipated. Oof. Great summary. Thank you. There was a lot that happened. <laughs> a lot of things. And really what we noticed as, especially re-watching these first five episodes, is that the overarching theme throughout this season has been the that relationships evolve and essentially that the evolution of relationships is inevitable like even when relationships are in a good place um there's going to be evolution when they are in a not so good place there's going to be evolution they aren't stagnant uh and which is interesting to dig into we get to kind of see how those relationships move throughout this season Rebecca seems, as you said, in this summary, pretty fixated so far this season on, in season three, on this uh, relationship with Rupert as it has evolved, right? I mean, obviously, Mm -hmm. they're not at all in the same place that they were, but really, really wanting to beat him as the new owner for you know just as the new owner of West Ham wanting to to beat this team so it seems like as as you said in that summary you know she does seem like she's I don't know if it's stagnated or what but does seem like she's sort of gone back to an old focus Mm -hmm. yeah she's backslid a little bit in how she's looking at Rupert it seems like and she has a whole conversation with Keeley where she has some level of self-awareness around it where Keely kind of prompts her. And this is, I think in the first episode, they, but they're sort of talking about it. And she's like, well, it's not the same resentment that I had before, but I do want to beat him very badly. And so I think that there's this interesting, you know, one of the things that the show has looked at a lot is kind of that like process of recovering from divorce Right, like mm-hmm. Rebecca, uh, Sassy, and Ted all are at different stages in that process. And we've kind of seen at different points them checking in with one another around that. And I think like this is maybe this next step. Like she's not so vengeful that she wants to ruin him, but like she also wants to win. And it's interesting how, despite the fact that like you kind of thought after last season, Rebecca was like, okay, she's like in a good place and she is feeling good about the team and she doesn't like seeking revenge on Rupert anymore, but like he still is with her. He has yeah. still affected her. Yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking too about how she seems a little bit adrift in this season so far. Mm-hmm. And, and I just want to bring in the fact that 
she is likely still grieving her father, though that's not a thing that's discussed right now. Like I'm thinking about a lot of folks that I know who have lost a parent. And I have a lot of people in my life who have lost parents recently. And um, it seems like there's there's sort of a, a stage after that loss where somebody is like, they're kind of trying to reorient who they are again. And I wonder, though that's not a thing that's discussed in the season so far, I wonder if there's a bit of that too, that she's just sort of like figuring out, you know, she, she, the last season we see her stepping away from this dynamic with Sam saying that she needs, Mm -hmm. you know, some space and to figure out kind of work on herself. It seems like, and right now, so far, it seems like she has these, she has some wins within this, this season so far in episodes one through five, but she's still seeming a little, I don't know, just adrift or something. What, how would you, what would you call it? I can see that. I do think she seems disconnected from the people in her life that we have seen her be really con- like tethered to in the past, yeah. right? Like last season, we really saw how connected and what a strong friendship her and Keely had. And it, you know, you can see that they're renegotiating their dynamic now that they don't work together. So they aren't seeing each other all the time. And Keely is preoccupied right now with a lot of other things in her life. And like, I I appreciate, I'm interested to see where this goes, because I do think we're kind of at a point where like, there potentially could be some conflict coming up between Rebecca and Keely. Yeah. Uh, so I'm interested to see what, like, what that dynamic might look like. But I do think like, she seems disconnected, right? Like Keely and her just are, are missing each other. And then her and Ted are also really misaligned in a way that we haven't seen. You know, we definitely didn't see it last season. They just seem to be not like they used to be a little bit more in rhythm is how I I was thinking about it. And they just seem like really misaligned. They still have like that connection, but they're not. I don't know. It's like it's the relationship is at like a dip point. And I think like, this is the thing about relationships, right? Like with Keely, it's changing with Ted. This is a kind of a weird space. Yeah. Yeah. I think misaligned is a really good point. I mean, in, in relation to her and Ted. Yeah. I mean, we see at least two scenes that I can think of where we, we actually get to see her calling Keely and not and Keely, not picking up. Right. So we're seeing, we're seeing, and and we can see in both those scenes as the audience that Keely's busy doing other things. It's not that Keely's mm-hmm. declining her calls, but that she's missing in some in some pretty important moments for Rebecca, where Rebecca is going through some things. So, um, th- so I think that yeah, I mean that that inevitably happens when you don't work in the same place anymore, and also life, you know, life just shifts. So, like you said, friendships evolve in those ways, and it does seem like, like, what is that in that last, what's your take on that? It's, I think it's an episode five where they cross paths in, in Mm. this, (laughs) he says something about being a psychic, right? And she says something about bullying and they're both just like, look at each other in this weird way and then walk on. Like, what do you Mm. think what's happening there? I really think it's just that like, it it shows 
there's all these people that say that Ted and Rebecca are soulmates, right? That they're end game in some way. I do believe that they are soulmates. I think that they are intrinsically connected. There was some reason why that they had these monumental experiences on the very same day in their lives. Like they, they were intended to come together in some way. I don't necessarily think that's in a romantic way personally, but I think that this was another demonstration of like, they are connected. And even when you're not fully aligned, right? Like neither of them was at a point where they were able or in a, in a space where they could disclose about those things, right? Rebecca hadn't told Ted about the psychic as far as we know. Mm -hmm. And Ted hadn't talked to Rebecca about the bullying incident with his son. Mm -hmm. And so even in absent of them having any discussion about it, it's like, you know, they're still like tied together in some way and connected, even when they aren't, when, even when they are feeling disconnected. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. Okay. Well, definitely they seem to be missing, missing each other right now. And there's several Mm -hmm. seem to be several examples where Rebecca's saying some example of like, I just want to win. Yeah. And, and I know we'll talk about Ted a little in a little while, but it seems like it's hard to tell if Ted's I like I think Ted's taking her seriously, but he's also holding it all pretty lightly when she says things. It is now that you mentioned that I hadn't really thought about this part, but Ted's whole philosophy, we know what Ted's philosophy is. He doesn't concern himself much with winning and losing. Like that is right. literally right. his philosophy. And she knows that. And I do wonder if I mean, he knows that she knows that that is his philosophy, right? Everyone knows this. This is not private. That maybe he, I notice his facial expressions when she says that he kind of just like, like is like, he he doesn't really react to her saying that. Mm -hmm. He just kind of nods along. And I I wonder if it's him going like, you know, that that's not what I'm going to care about. That's not who I am. And, yeah. and it's her like being very not aware or not self-aware. Like she knows, she knows what she, Ted cares about. I mean, I think she, she does know, right? Because there's that one scene where she's like, I believe in you, Ted. I believe in you like very intensely, right? It's like Keely earlier on in the, in the season had been like, wait to let Ted be Ted, right? Like mm-hmm. she'd sort of given her that advice and it seems like Rebecca's like, I just got to let Ted be Ted, but I also need Ted to know that I really, really, really want to win this, which is sort of what she keeps repeating to him every time she sees him. Yeah. I also thought that scene that you just mentioned where Keely said, texts Rebecca and says, way to let Ted be Ted. I thought that that was interesting because Rebecca was actually not letting Ted be Ted. Ted decided to be Ted. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's like she, she's now to a place. It was like, the first season, she wanted him to be him and ruin the team. And then the second season, she wanted him to be him and like supported the team in all ways. Yeah. Right? And yeah. now it's it does seem as if perhaps this is a moment of like a relationship has run its course in the way that it currently exists. It does seem like they are really missing each other in these yeah. moments, even like the I mean, I, I think. Well, yeah. So yes, it does seem like they're missing each other. I also, before we get too far away from her and Rupert, want to want to make a nod to the to the moment at the game where they 
who is she talking to Higgins or Keely where, where Rupert's charming Zaba over on the sidelines. Right. And she, first of all, we get a little insight into how Rupert one <laughs> courted her essentially got her attention and we get a little more insight into both of them at that point and how persistent he can be. And I will say I did really appreciate, and I'm sure anyone who's rooting for Rebecca does as well, the scene after where it looks like Rupert's sort of going to win Zava, that he has charmed him and she she finds another way to to get Zava's attention. Yeah, I I also thought it was interesting to finally get some context to Rupert and Rebecca's relationship specifically and how it started, which I did think it was interesting that it started when he was married to someone else. Yeah, not shocking, not shocking. I mean, people will repeat behaviors. It's yeah, it wasn't particularly shocking. And it it also I mean, what she described is so interesting because it is what like if I were giving somebody dating advice the advice I would give is like make the person feel seen right and that's essentially what she said Rupert did is he made her just feel like she had been chosen that she is seen by him in such a way that it was intoxicating and he persuaded her and she's like that's what he can do that's his like superpower and I'm like oh the superpower with great power comes great responsibility. Rupert is not wielding responsibility with that power. No, I mean, I think Rupert seems, and I know we're not supposed to be diagnosing people and I'm not trying to, I guess I, I guess I'm going to do it anyway, but I mean, Rupert seems like pretty clearly narcissistic and, you know, the behavior of love bong, love bombing someone right? showing up yeah. and showing up. And I know, I mean, that'd be exactly what he's doing with Zava, but um, he seems like a master manipulator, you know, like he, he knows how many, how to manipulate people and oftentimes narcissistic people with that sort of, uh, with narcissism are also very charming, very charismatic. Mm-hmm. I mean, those things are things when you, they're, they're tricky, they're tricky because yeah. of course the person is, is charming and charismatic and wants you to, you want to spend more time with them. So it just seems pretty pretty classic. I think it's one of those, like one of the good lessons that you can learn maybe in thinking about something like this is like when, when it seems too good to be true, like when somebody is always saying exactly the right thing, like just keep an eye on that. It doesn't mean that it, it's not true, but like if everything seems too good to be true, maybe re-examine. Which doesn't that suck? I mean, yeah, like, it off does. on a side note here, as a person who's, uh, you know, been single and dating uh, a lot of my life, like the, uh, it's so like complicated, right? Because when you meet someone and they're wonderful, of course you want them to be wonderful and you want, you want it to feel, but then when you understand also that sometimes that, that can be problematic. I mean, but I think in this case, like large, large red flag was that this yeah. guy was married and she knew it. Right. 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 Yeah, I just think that the, you know, I think we have this tendency in, and we see it in media a lot to represent 
we have this tendency to like idealize this like persistence, right? Like she talks about how he showed up every weekend or whatever, every day she worked to see her. And that persistence was like interpreted in a positive way. And I get that like when you like the person and you're kind of interested in them, it is positive. And then on the flip side of it, if he would have been somebody that she was disgusted by, she'd be like, he's be he's stalking me, which like it, it would have been a valid accusation yeah but I do think we have this ideal like I think we see it in media so often the guy who is like so persistent he just wore her down or he showed up I mean I think the notebook I wrote you a letter for every day for 365 days or I showed up at their work every you know we hear these stories and I I think that like in practice, those are really red flags because if you are telling somebody you're not interested or at least like telling them to back off, then like they're not listening to you. And I think that sometimes yeah. we can get like wrapped up in the romanticism and it, and like I, I see how it happens. I'm not like, necessarily faulting people for that happening. I'm just saying like, ooh, look, like take a second look. <laughs> Yes. And, and I think there's nuance there from my perspective that I want to clarify because you said this, and I just want to highlight it is that it's that this person didn't want that. And they kept showing up. This person said no. And this other person kept showing up in a way that was interesting enough that the person decided to like be okay and see it as a, as a, a being pursued in a way that they wanted to, because I mean, on the other side of that, just like someone being reliable and showing up and being present when you do want it is a really good thing. Yeah, I I think it's the key here is when you have said no in some way or you've set certain boundaries and they don't respect those boundaries. Like, I just think that that is where it gets messy. I think it's very different if like somebody consistently shows up for your dates. Like, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, of course (laughs) they should. But when you're like, no, like leave me alone. I need time or, you know, right. Whatever the boundaries are we set. I think in particular, I see it in a gendered way. I don't think it always happens that way, but I see a lot of men and I think they've been taught this. I don't like, there's part of me that's like, don't watch the movies where they think I just have to keep being persistent. Ask her again, ask her 75 more times. And eventually she'll say yes. And I'm like, I don't know that that's the great option. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed with, I totally agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, where's the dick? Yeah. And yay, Rebecca, for finding a different angle for Zava. Like that is some creative yeah. persuasion there for finding a different angle that, 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 uh, I mean, again, I mean, I guess it's arguable whether it's good that Zava comes to the team, but I'm glad that Rebecca got a win in with Rupert in, in regards to Rupert in that situation. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. pretty satisfying. Yeah, it was. I think she was very smart with her approach she knew what Rupert was going to do she wasn't going to be able to do yeah that's pretty awesome yeah so what what else is going on with Rebecca in terms of her her evolution as a as a character or things that we want to think about in her relationships well I think that the theme we're going to see with her is her reflecting on these predictions that the psychic made for her so it early on I can't remember if it was episode one or two she goes and visits the psychic. She, first of all, I guess it was episode two because it was when Zava came. Um, 
she first she doesn't tell Keely about it beforehand, which I thought was interesting. Like I think it that is reflective of the divide that is present between them. Mm-hmm. Um, and she gets some information from the psychic, despite being a bit of a skeptic. She I mean, follows. Oh, yeah. I just yeah. feel like asking, have you ever been to a psychic before? I have never been to a psychic. I figured. I figured. Have you been to a psychic before? Definitely. <laughs> what did the psychic tell you? So like, okay, to be fair. Oh, I don't remember. There've been lots of, I mean, I, okay. What I've been to is people who are intuitive readers, which I don't know what the difference between being a psychic and an intuitive reader is, but I've definitely had some intuitive readings before. And I can very much relate to Rebecca in this scene. Like, because I feel like I've been open enough to be like, okay, like, I want to know what you have to say. I do want to know what you have to say, but I'm also, you all might be shocked listeners. You might be shocked, but I'm actually kind of, I feel like I'm an open-minded skeptic. Like I'm like, okay, like, what are you really going to say? Like, what is this really going to be useful for me? And I've done it a few different times and sometimes it's super useful. And I haven't ever had something like what Rebecca's had happen, which is like all of these like particular things. Um, but sometimes it's been incredibly useful. And other times I've left being like, no way this person doesn't know what's going on. So uh, yeah, I, I, I could very much relate to Rebecca being like, well, I'm here, but I'm not sure what to think of this. Mm-hmm. I think I relate most to Higgins. Like, I'm like, I can believe it. I believe that there are people out there who like can have premonitions, right? That I'm not as skeptical about. I'm skeptical about a lot of the people that say that they have premonitions. Which I think is having, having been to a few different people who do this. I think what I've realized for myself is I think a person can have a lot of influence over another person when they're, I mean, it's hard to know in this situation. We know that her mom has been going to the psychic who, I don't know if I, I still can't tell whether I trust her mom's judgment or not. (laughs) So, you know, knowing that, you know, her mom has found this person to be valuable on one hand is like, okay, like, okay, well, someone she trusts sort of thinks this person has some useful insight. Um, I think though we do have to be careful because if we're even like slightly curious, a person can get into our head. So for example, okay, actually, here's an example. I'll just share it with you real quick. Um, Once I went to someone when I was, I was living in California, (laughs) I walked by this, uh, this sign every day on my walk on my commute to work that was like psychic person. And I was really frustrated about something in my relational situation. This is like in my mid twenties. And so one day I was like, okay, I'm going to go in. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I'm going to. And anyways, she was very expensive. And she told me I was cursed. <laughs> and was the solution? I don't want to tell you the whole. Visit her over and well, over. Well, yeah, I could be, I could be, uh, deal with my curse by seeing her and paying $500. By the way, I was like doing a volunteer internship at the time. And I was making no money. And I was like. I just think that, I mean, it was a ridiculous, it's ridiculous as I think about it now, but I was really like seeking some sort of insight at that time. And I was like, well, one possibility is that someone could have cursed me, I suppose. Like, I suppose that's a possibility. And then it, and anyways, I mean, I could tell you that story. It's probably like a 15 minute story though. So I'm not going to do it right now, but like basically, you know, as an impressionable person who was like, trying to figure something out genuinely it was a weird 
thing to be told and then to be told mm-hmm. like we can solve this with you know 500 more dollars which I was like I don't have 500 dollars like I don't I can't do this mm-hmm. so I don't know maybe I've been cursed ever since I'm not sure <laughs> all because you didn't pay that lady that well here's the thing I did pay her and I went like twice I didn't oh. pay 500 dollars but I think I paid per session I went like two or three times and but I think on the third time I was like I'm not coming back but it was yeah. it was not cool uh yeah I mean I think like it's another version of manipulation right like especially as we we just talked about Rupert and his manipulation like this is another version of it is I think that that's that's like the again more negative side of something like a psychic is they can take sure. advantage of somebody who is feeling vulnerable and has probably not always when you're seeking out a psychic, but I imagine a lot of the times you're like really wrestling with some things in your life. I mean, I think Rebecca is a great case in point, like for, you know, her mom is bonkers, but her mom sees that Rebecca is struggling and is like, Hey, this is a thing that helped me. I want you to go see this psychic. Um, And yeah, it's, it can the people visiting someone like that are going to be placed in a really vulnerable position. You can't help but be somewhat influenced by what someone says. And I will just say, I've also talked to other people in other times in my life who were really loving and didn't tell me I was cursed and were had much better feedback for me. So um, I do, but I do think at this point, I'm very selective about who mm-hmm. I would choose to get that sort of feedback from. So when I'm like feeling protective of Rebecca watching this, I'm like, I don't know yet. Is this Tish? I think is her is that her name? Tish. Yeah, Tish. Is this is this Tish gonna be good for her or not? And I, I think to like we don't I don't know if we know yet as of yeah. episode five. I think that one thing that I, I did want to know, and I'm trying to find the quote, and I my notes are like 10 pages long. I, know, I can't find I them. Yeah. Um, but Rebecca has a conversation with Higgins about this and specifically says like are you um do you believe in psychics and and he says yes and then he says something to the effect of like even if they're charlatans they oftentimes we seek out those people to help us see a part of ourselves that we can't see or I mean it's something mm-hmm. to that effect. it's something like that yeah I'm looking forward to and I can't find it but I, it is something very similar to that yeah yes. and they're I- help that they can be helpful and they help us see something that maybe we're not seeing in ourselves. It's something like that that he says. Yeah, yeah. And I think that that, like, that is a good point, right? Like, I think, and I think if we're to look at Rebecca, you know, all the way through episode five, that is, it does seem like this woman really pushed to the forefront of Rebecca's brain this idea of having a family and being a mother that really isn't something we had seen her wrestle. I didn't even feel like we actually, you and I had a conversation about this in one of the episodes not that long ago. And you were like, maybe she'll be pregnant. I was like, no, she doesn't seem like she wants a baby. (laughs) And like this happened. I was like, well, Jesus. Okay. I guess she does. She's never talked about it before. I mean, there was one scene with Rupert where yeah. he said that they were having a baby. I don't know. It just like, I was like, this was not what she had been focused on based on what we could, we knew. No, I mean, she gets teary eyed in that earlier episode when he says that he's having a baby, but it's unclear at that moment, like whether she's just super pissed off at him about everything or whether it's 
specifically about that. I was also surprised uh, about that plot twist. And yeah, I mean, so far what the psychic has said, we're on episode five, but so far what the psychic said has been true. There have been some things coming true in some way or another, right? She's got a green matchbook. She's had a weird interaction with Wings Knight. It's not Wingstop, it's Wings Knight. <laughs> yeah, I wrote that down. I was like, no, he's still Wings Knight or he's still Wingstop for me. <laughs> oh, he, she's, she's. I, yeah. Anyways, I, I'm super curious to see what happens next in this. Right. Yeah. So she, the things that the psychic said, just to remind everyone, was Green Matchbook, which she got from Sam's restaurant, which I was like, oh, it's Sam. I know. (laughs) I liked that part. Yeah. I did think it was interesting that the next one is Shite in Nining Armor. And it was somebody she had dated. Like, I did not, that was, I did not think we were going to see Wings Night ever again. Me either. <laughs> uh, and so I kind of appreciated that. I thought that was kind of interesting that it was tied to somebody she had dated. Yeah. And then the next, the other premonitions that Tish had was thunder and lightning and you and you're upside down and you're drenched, but you're safe. Mm-hmm. And the last one was you will have a family. You're going to be a mother, mm-hmm. Um, which is what really made her react with anger. And she said, you're dangerous I think she said you're dangerous or cruel maybe both I can't find that in my notes either but yeah yeah she said she uh yeah she said I can't find it she said fuck you you're fucking cruel yeah yeah and left and left she didn't stay any longer right and I think and then it, it wasn't until after the first two had come true right like she was she'd been thinking about the green matchbook and when she got one like it was a real like I think her world got turned a little upside down when that happened um something that she wouldn't have noticed if she hadn't gone to Tish right it wouldn't have been significant and then the shite in 99 armor I think is what really set her off where she was like oh that is a very strange thing for somebody to have said um and so she goes to the doctor to see if she can have a baby is yeah I think she's getting fertility tests done yeah yeah Yeah. which I felt from the get-go I was like she's not gonna have a baby I just like I think it language matters and this show is very careful with language and I think Tish was clearly very careful with language Mm -hmm. and she never said you're going to have a baby she said you will have a family you're going to be a mother and there are so Mm -hmm. many ways that don't involve having a baby that could accomplish that I was like that's a misdirect there's no way she's gonna get pregnant also she she is getting a little old. she's like 48 I think I'm like it's a little old yeah I mean I don't know as a person who is in her 40s who might still want to get pregnant I yeah. feel like I need to defend the 40 somethings that want to get might want to be pregnant here I was actually really excited about this moment and I was like wow like I agree with you in terms of the language I was like I I, I don't know that this is going to happen this way but um I don't know. I thought, I I thought it was really, it was just really relatable. I mean, I've gotten fertility tests done before. Like I was like, Mm -hmm. I am just like walking alongside Rebecca in this, in this, in terms of like those, those feelings that a person has when they're trying to figure those things out for themselves. And there are definitely examples of, you know, there are women in their forties and even in their late forties who are having children. So I don't think it's like, you know, is it, is it like, 
possible. Yeah, it's possible. Um, but it sounds like it's not possible for her, though we didn't actually hear what the doctor said. It sounds like she got, it seemed that she got news that said that it was not possible. Right. Yeah. I think, I mean, I know I support her if that's what she wanted to do. I just was like, oh, uh, it just seems like it's not going to be like super likely. I mean, we know that for like that, I'm not putting a judgment on it, but fertility goes down as we age and like, it's unfortunate. And that's a shitty part of being a woman because it doesn't change for men really. But um, I wasn't feeling very optimistic and I felt bad for her at the end of that specifically because it seemed like the way I read her facial expression was like, oh, you're so silly for like even thinking that was a possibility or for getting your hopes up is how mm. I interpreted it. Yeah, she definitely. We the last that we've seen audience when we saw her last, she looked sad. She looked sad. And and yeah, maybe like I mean, maybe, maybe saying, maybe thinking who knows, who knows exactly what she's thinking. Like in any case, it seems like she, she looked disappointed. It looked like the news was sad. We see her trying to call Keely and Keely not picking up. Right. And I think specifically yeah. at that, the end of that episode, she's alone and sad. And I, again, this season seems to be about like Rebecca being a bit more isolated. Mm-hmm. And it makes me think about early it's the end of the first season. Ted gives a locker room speech after the team loses and gets relegated. And he says, like, basically, look around. Um, there's something worse than being sad, and that's being alone and sad. Mm-hmm. And nobody in here is alone. And, it, like, that was echoing in my head as I was watching the scene because I was like, oh, she can't call. Like, she tried to call Keely. She, her and Ted are, like, in a weird place. She doesn't have a romantic partner she's alone and sad and that like I just really felt for her in that moment and I also think there's a level of embarrassment that when you get your hopes up for something that comes and then you don't get that thing even if no one knows you wanted it to happen you're like oh there's embarrassed or I would feel embarrassed personally yeah yeah all kinds of like who knows what I mean what mixture of feelings she's feeling but certainly yeah whatever some mixture of I think what you're saying alone, alone and sad seems to be where she's at. So we'll see what happens next for Rebecca. I have, have hope good things are coming. Yep. We shall say, well, we're going to see her thunder. I mean, assuming we're going to see all of those things come true that Tish said, however, they happen to, uh, okay. Who should we talk about next? Do you want to do Ted next? Yeah. Let's, I feel like her and Ted are the larger, they have the larger sort of storylines here. Right. So Ted is still, is now questioning what he's still doing in London. Like he literally asked Beard, what are we still doing here? Um, Which I thought was, what I'm noticing about this version of Ted is he has a lot more self-awareness. Like if we are to see like him, I mean, he always was pretty self-aware, but I think he's even more aware of and like questioning things a bit more than he had in the past. Yeah. Which can we applaud him? Because from what we can tell, it seems like he's been doing some continued work with Dr. Sharon and talking to her. And like, you know, I think in previous episodes, we've talked about doing inner work and, you know, working on your healing. And it seems like, I mean, this opening scene, we see 
him with Henry and Henry leaving, you know, his son leaving and all of those feelings, but it looks like he's also getting support. So that is a pretty cool thing. Like good job, Ted. Yeah. Therapy is a good idea, guys. In case you didn't, didn't know that. Finding the right therapist is important. (laughs) Yeah. But he, it seems like he's been, he's been doing his work. Right. And, and I think like that pays off, you know, we, we kind of see he's just like Rebecca is a little bit like lost and untethered from her relationships. Ted seems like a lit, like he's floating a little bit too. Like he's like, doesn't seem to be super passionate about the team. Like he's giving them energy and time and doing his speeches, but he just doesn't seem like as in it as he could be. Yeah. 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 He also seems out of his depth a bit. I think it's like really obvious now that Nate's not there. And for whatever reason, like it's, he is not coming up with the next strategies. Like their strategies are not coming from Ted, not that they ever were, but it seems like more apparent now that member of the coaching team is missing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it does seem like the team is really suffering that what they had previously with the four coaches was the ideal situation where you kind of had. I mean, that's the importance of a team, right? Is you have people that fill specific roles. And right now, I think especially because they never filled that, that role. So they don't have a fourth coach. And I, I think that this is like one of Ted's deficiencies is he's maybe still holding on. We kind of see that represented with those Lego figures that he's still kind of holding on that Nate maybe will come back or somehow they will reconcile or something will happen with it. And so he's keeping that position open. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Cause that is weird. It's like, when I think about, okay, I know very little about football, but when I think about these things, I'm like, how is that coaching position not filled? How is he not, how is nobody looking? I mean, it's Higgins basically, right. Who's like, oh my gosh, Zava is available. And Ted's still like, who's Zava, right? Like, like they're not looking for new players. Like a little bit of that seems implausible. Like, is that the word I'm looking for? Like, like what? Like what are you doing? Yeah, it doesn't. I mean, I don't know how ridiculous it is that like Higgins' literal job is that kind of thing, like to figure out who's available. Like he's head is of it? Is that operations, okay. and so that makes a little bit more sense to me. That I mean, you would work in conjunction with the coach right to be like hey we're like what kind of players are you looking for and they might talk about that but it's not like absolutely nuts that ted wouldn't know i do think it's funny that it's like a famous supposedly a very famous footballer that ted has no idea who he is and i'm like well that tracks i mean that's (laughs) not what ted does i know because of a different video (sighs) yeah anyways so yeah, yeah it seems like I mean, to me, it's, I'm like, uh, are you not taking this as serious? Like, I'm kind of on Rebecca's side here. Like, what are you doing, Ted? Like, it seems like you're not taking things as seriously as you need to be, though. I'm sure that we're going to learn something new because Ted always doesn't look like he's doing something, but he's doing something. I think that this too, you know, it makes me think about when I teach perception in class. I show my class this, um, this like image that, it's sort of like, I can't, the only way I can describe it, it's sort of like a magic eye type 
do you know mm-hmm. what those are like the where, yeah, you, where you, you see can... two different things you can see two different things in it yeah yeah anyway I show my class this one thing and it's a cow and it's one of those images that like when you first look at it it doesn't look like anything at all mm-hmm. and anyway when I when I teach it we put it up and I go okay what is it and first like no one sees it and then eventually like a couple of people are like oh my god it's a cow and then eventually most of the class gets it sometimes I have to kind of show them where to where to look right I have to mm-hmm. say like oh and here's Here's where to look. And one of the things that I always notice when I do that activity, and I talk to my class about this, is you can't ever force someone to see something. Like you can't mm-hmm. force someone into something. Yeah. And I was thinking about this with Ted, right? Like if somebody is like, if that's not what they want to do or they're unwilling to do that, they're not, you like, you can't force it. And I think that's true here is, I also think it's just so interesting that like, Rebecca was so behind Ted and his philosophy and his whole shtick last season. And now she's expecting him to be somebody that he's not. Yeah. And like, you can't expect somebody to be somebody that they're not. People evolve, but they don't evolve that much. Mm-hmm. And how often do we do that in our relationships where all of a sudden we get to a point where like, why aren't they acting that way? And you're like, well, cause that's not who they are. So yeah you either have to release it or trust that like you in this case you hired him to do a thing is he going to do it you have to trust him that he knows how to navigate that yeah yeah or make other choices right yeah like accept or do something different but yeah in this case we're seeing we're seeing ted relying on beard and Roy a lot like they're they're, they seem like they're working together he still seems like he is clear on his leadership role I mean especially towards the you know especially in episode five towards the middle of this the you know we're seeing him step more into that again but yeah he seems like he's (laughs) yeah the questioning of what he's still doing there is is real Right. I think that in terms of some things that are worth noting about what, like what we're seeing from him, I think the really important factor that we saw is how he finally talked to his ex-wife, Michelle, about, and he said, I'm upset. I think he maybe even said, I'm angry with how Mm -hmm. this all happened in relation to her now dating their marital counselor, which seems very problematic. Mm -hmm. Um. Mm -hmm. But he specific, he finally says, like, I'm upset by this and I don't like it and it hurt. And then he kind of goes on to say, like, hey, I love you. We're going we're a family. Like, mm-hmm. regardless of what this family looks like, we are stuck together and like it's going to evolve. And I think that it was like a really nice recognition of how that relationship has evolved. But I think it was pretty significant for him because we never see him express like something like being upset or angry in that way. And I think there was a really nice nod to that with um, they showed his ex-wife for a moment, kind of like reflecting. I was like, oh yeah, that's like what she wanted all along probably is for him to say, not cover stuff with positivity. So he finally looks like expressed. It. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, in, in Ted form, it's very, it's, it's pretty skillfully done considering it's not something he does very much. And I think maybe like just to back up for just a minute, it's interesting because before he does that, he's getting a lot of 
pushback from Beard especially, but I think Higgins as well about like, hey, how are you going to deal with Nate? Like, what are you going to do? Aren't you frustrated about this? Like we hear over and over again, people saying like, aren't you frustrated? What Nate did wasn't okay. Like, like bringing up these things about Nate and, and Ted sort of not, you know, I mean, we see Ted reacts with Nate. It's almost weird how like friendly he is with Nate, given all of the things that have happened with him and Nate. So it's like, he's not doing it there. It's not, he's not doing it there. But then when he finds out that his ex is dating their former marital counselor, which is a very problematic, seems problematic, he is finally able to express his feelings in that situation and that, and, and express his frustration. And I think that is also important to note, like he's, it, it seems like he's, he's navigating his own, how, how does he communicate about these things? Mm-hmm. Well, and the thing with his ex-wife in fairness had been percolating, like his feelings around that had been percolating for far longer than with Nate, right? Like this is years yeah. And this is the whole reason he came here was because of her. Yes. Uh, And so I think like, it's like almost like, you know, you have to like knock over a domino, right? Like this is the, that was the first domino that had to fall was he needed to address her first. And I don't think he, he would have been able to address how he's feeling about Nate until he like, it's almost like you have to like, like. I don't know, put that away, right? Like, okay, I've addressed that. Not that the emotions yeah. fully go away, but at least it's not also hanging over your head. Um, and so I, I think it'll be interesting to see if we see some sort of conversation where he's honest with Nate and like talks about feeling hurt. It, I think that he still has a lot of compassion for Nate is the way yeah. I read it. I mean, he definitely seems like he does. He's still got that photo up of him and Nate on his dresser. We see that at one point. We see him, you know, we see actually kind of similar scenes with him and Nate at different points, looking at these little characters they have, like his or Legos, mm-hmm. right? Like contemplating the the people that are there. It seems like he's working it out with himself, but he hasn't totally sorted through. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what he does. I, I also seems like more than ever, we see him focused on being a father and I'm not I I mean we've seen that the whole time that's not out of but but especially in this one we're seeing more of like him him thinking about Henry leaving and him you know go not waiting to go out to the to the um, field because he wants to talk to Henry real quick like he's continuing to return we see him and his relationship with his son being really important as much as ever in this season yeah we see it more yes certainly And I mean, that possibly could be a reaction to what Nate said to him at the end of season two, where he said, like, you should be with your son. Right? Yeah, I think I think that that's yeah. probably part of the reason he is so gentle with Nate is I think that he like if I'm to look at this, I go, OK, well, Ted feels a lot of shame around and feels guilt around what happened with Nate, whether mm-hmm. or not that like he should <laughs> He does. And I think he also, what Nate said resonated. Like he probably is like, yeah, what am I doing here? I probably should be with my kid. Um, And maybe what we're seeing now is him like kind of being like, okay, I, I need to be present in all of the ways that I can be present. And, and like he is, it, it certainly isn't a ton, but at least it's something. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, we've talked throughout the, throughout this, all of our conversations about the, the sort of father son relationships that we're seeing. So I think that's one to keep watching as we go through the rest of this season, what we're learning about Ted as a father here as well. Mm -hmm. And I think the last thing that was really important about Ted is he finally stopped himself and was able to bring himself out of a panic attack, which like, like a real significant. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Like, it was the first time he brought it out himself. And I was like, Ooh, look at that, Ted. I wonder if it's maybe because you finally spoke your truth to your ex-wife. And are going to therapy and are practicing things too, right? It looks like something that he's been practicing doing and gosh. Yeah. I mean, it's like, For Rebecca going and following up and kind of standing up to Rupert in the way that she did for Ted being able to calm himself down from this panic attack. Like we, it's neat to see their growth. It's neat to see their individual growth. Yeah. And it's interesting to see them have wins like that, but still like be in kind of a weird place with one another, Rebecca and Ted. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and be in kind of weird place in their lives, right? More than one thing can be true. Like there are all kinds of things are happening and And we see at the end of episode five, this really awesome um, motivational speech that he gives to the team, right? (laughs) Like, like we, we see, it seems, I mean, we don't know y'all, we don't know because we haven't seen the next episode yet, but it seems like maybe the tides are going to turn for Richmond. I think so. I (laughs) I do think what's worth noting about that scene before we move on to another character is Ted was not going to give that speech. He like kind of went out, was like, hey, we'll rebound, we'll be better. And he like turned and was about to walk out. And Sam was like, uh, hey, are you going to say something? And I I mean, I think that just is another example. I mean, it's two examples. One of Ted is like still a little disconnected. Like his mind is not fully on the team. And then second, we see little hints of Sam stepping up and being like a leader. And this is an example where he's like, no, 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 we, I know we need this. We need something from you right now. Um, And so it's interesting that that, like, it was a beautiful speech. I actually got the transcript. So I have it, the whole chunk of it and it's lovely, but he was not going to give it. (laughs) He had to be like coaxed into it. Yeah. That's a good, that good call. Good call. Yeah. I guess we'll probably learn more about what's happening for Ted. Yeah, we'll see. But he's sure good at giving a motivational speech. He is. Uh, Okay, do you want to talk about maybe Keely next? Yeah. Keely's Keely's on her own journey. She's her relationships are certainly evolving this season, right? What we what we hoped wouldn't happen is happening. She and Roy are on a break breakup. They broke up. They're not on a break. <laughs> well, we talked about that in another, yeah. <laughs> in a check-in. So yeah, they're, they're broken up. They're broken up. And that is one pretty major thing that we see with Keely at the beginning and how her relationships are evolving. Right. I mean, one, Roy broke up with her. I think that that is worth noting, which everyone is shocked by. And we can talk about that more in the Roy breakdown. Yeah. Um. But I think what's really significant about her is she's really navigating this new role she has as being like the actual boss yeah, and how to work with people in that capacity now, right? Like we kind of see it in 
with the employees that she has that were, it seems like a real awkward connection that she has. And then the, the one character we see her interact with the most, I would say is Barbara. Um, and then also the complications of Shandy. And then finally Jack, her VC who we'll talk about that in a sec. It's also relatable. I think some of, at least certain parts of it are, have you ever worked with the Barbara? <laughs> uh, oh, I've worked with the Barbara. I guess I didn't mean the name specifically, uh, but I mean the, that sort of, oh my gosh, I feel like I've had a workplace where I'm like, why are you such a bummer? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I it, It's interesting because I do think Barbara is a nice, this Barbara, not some past Barbaras I've known, but this Barbara is a great example of how like you get to know somebody a little bit more and you're like, okay, I can appreciate you. Yeah. Like you're bringing something here. Uh, and I, I can appreciate what you are bringing. And I think like Keely is trying to navigate, like finding how to navigate that where I think a good, this is a nice example of Barbara is like the polar opposite of Keely, right? Barbara is cold and Keely is like this. So she's so warm and welcoming. Uh, and Barbara is much more, I mean, it makes sense that she's in charge of financial things. People who are in charge of financial things tend to have that personality. It must, yeah, I feel, yeah, we should, I mean, whatever the Myers-Briggs type is for that. I mean, it's very detail-oriented, right? Like, she's very mm-hmm. detail-oriented. She's very logical about, like, what needs to happen and why there shouldn't be $200 spent on flowers every week. And and also, you know, we need, we need diverse teams. It seems like, I mean, we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen with Barbara. But up until this point, it does seem like Barbara has some decent advice like you said there's some there's worth there's things worth appreciating about Barbara even though she seems like kind of a buzzkill yeah I mean I think she's one of those necessary roles right like you need somebody to keep everyone grounded to like and then you need somebody who's maybe a little bit more like Keely who is like more creative and being thoughtful about the strategy right like you need everyone that's if we've seen anything with the example with the coaching staff in the show too, it's the same thing, right? Like you need people yeah. to fill certain roles. Totally. Uh, and, you know, Barbara and her snow globes fill a role. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't mean to be just everybody yeah. in case anybody's listening and you feel like you're the person who's like the Barbara in your organization. I actually really appreciate people like this. I just, it is, it takes a little while to appreciate them. So mm-hmm. I guess Barbara's growing on me maybe. It seems like she and Keely, their relationship is evolving a little bit. Like, I feel like yeah. Keely appreciates her a lot more. Um, and Barbara may slightly be respecting her more. I mean, I think that's the the tough part at the beginning is it looks like Barbara's operating uh, like on stereotypes with Keely and that that feels painful to to watch because I'm sure Keely has been interacted like that with people a lot in her past. And so it sort of sucks to watch, but maybe they're both coming around. Mm-hmm. A person I'm, who is not. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say. Unfortunately, the first thing Keely did was like maybe not support uh, a great perspective. Like the first thing Keely did was not something that was like great for her relationship with Barbara or Barbara's perception of her. Yeah, she yeah. hired Shandy. Yeah. And I mean, Shandy's not our best friend, but I assume she's influenced by the Rebecca advice to hire your best friend. In Which was situation. bad. 
we said at the time not great advice yeah I mean I, I, I oh my gosh have you ever hired somebody that like was a mistake I'm just like very much really I I I have hired somebody before maybe not a Shandy exactly, but somebody where I was like, oh no, (laughs) after like two weeks of having worked with them. And I, it wasn't the same story. I didn't have history with somebody, but I'm like, I know that feeling of like hiring somebody and then being like, oh no, oh no, oh no. What do I do now? Yeah. How do I get out of this? Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe even not maybe like, just like, "Uh oh, this didn't go. I thought I was going to (laughs) go. Yeah. And then how do I get out of it? Well, yeah, I think this was interesting because it kind of was Keely hanging on to, I don't know if it was like maybe some of her past identity or she's trying to give Shandy an opportunity that she got, right? She's trying to pay it forward in some way. That's the impression I got. And I mean, Shandy had a good suggestion in that moment when they ran into one another. Right. But there's, a, you know, <laughs> yeah, but had no experience. I mean, I guess Keely didn't really have experience either. Um, but I think that it was interesting because at the start of that, Barbara reacting to Keely and Shandy, you're kind of made to feel like Barbara's the villain in mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And I do appreciate that what they ended up showing was like, hey, like she had some very valid points here. And maybe you should have listened to her. Like her delivery was not great, but she was right. Barbara was totally right about Shandy. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think there's a both and right. People deserve chances. Like people, people did. Sometimes we follow our intuition. We try to give someone a chance and it works or it doesn't work. And I mean, Keely is really owning up and taking responsibility for what happens next. So good on Keely. Um, it, it really could have, it could have gone either way. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. Shandy could have been awesome and it could have been another situation like Keely where Keely was just given a chance, but like we do, we do need chances. So I think it's like, there's a both and here, like, yes, mm-hmm. Barbara ended up being correct in this situation and people need, and, and, and Keely's intent was, I think quite good in this situation. It just didn't work out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it didn't work out in a big way. I also think this is a nice example of Keely kind of navigating how do I manage someone because she hasn't really had to manage anyone in the past. And Shandy is a doozy um, of a person to manage. She immediately was like, I love being the boss. Did you catch those comments that she made, Shandy? Uh, I Yeah, I caught a few many different things that she said. What are you noticing? Just she kept saying like she would she said very early on she's like I love being the boss and I was like you are not the boss like yeah yeah she took a lot of creative license herself um yeah so I don't think we've seen the last of Shandy probably not <laughs> probably not but for as of where we are right now Keely was really strong and let her go. She fired her. And even though Shandy acted pretty poorly in that, not surprisingly, good on Keely for for making a choice that was best for the organization and probably doing something she hasn't had to do before and letting yeah. someone go. Good job, Keely. But also don't don't just hire someone like that next time. Please learn. learn, also, learn. also, also, Keely, what what are what are you doing? What are you doing? Because Jack's cool. I mean, Jack's a I get why she's like into Jack, 
I get it. But like her primary investor shows up on the scene, right? And Mm -hmm. there's like seems to be some interest between the two of them almost immediately. And we leave this episode with them looking up, it looks like. Right. I the second that Keely saw Jack, I was like, oh no. They're going to hook up. Like, she's into her. It's so clear. They're both into each other. Yeah. Yeah. They're so, like, connected. And I'm I'm so bummed. I just want to say I'm, like, kind of bummed by this because I am in, I like seeing that Keely's hooking up with a woman. I think that that's, like, a great storyline for her. Does it have to be her investor? I know. I, I mean, know. Conflict in the show, yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, girl, stop that. Do no. somebody else. Literally anyone else. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I don't know where that's going to go next, but it seems uh, seems pretty complicated. Yeah. It also see we did get a little bit of a little bit of information from Keely about how she's feeling in a post Roy it feel it, it and it's interesting i think she mentions like i just feel sad and i want to be happy right like she's still struggling with that breakup which is understandable it was a significant relationship i do think that this is well maybe this is kind of mirroring rebecca actually how rebecca is backsliding a little bit with rupert mm-hmm. i feel like this is keely backsliding a little bit and relying on like physical connection and like impulsivity yeah. With this and kind of like the way she was with Jamie at the start of this the show, right? Like she's just like, this will be fun. I'm going to do this and not being thoughtful about it at all. Yeah. Good call. Good call. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Which again, you know, I mean, <laughs> we don't know if Keely has had some sort of rebound dynamic yet in her situation. We haven't seen it. So, you know, people often in rebounds, don't always make the best choices so like i mean i get it like hook up with some people but like again no i get it i know anyone with you i know i know i know okay and then i mean the last thing with keely is we just again sort of see that relationship with rebecca shifting and i feel like we're gonna see a little bit more of that and uh, I mean I actually think that there probably will be some sort of come to blows conflict that they're going to have to navigate because Rebecca is probably feeling a little bit abandoned yeah I mean we see that scene at Sam's restaurant where they definitely have it seems like they have each other's backs they're there together they're having drinks I can't remember exactly what Keely says and and obviously we're kind of going in out of in and out of order in terms of what's happening in these these episodes, but they are both sort of like onwards as they look at the former people they've been dating. So, I mean, on some level they're, they're tracking with one another, Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, they're just not, it doesn't seem like they're spending as much time together and we don't necessarily see that being tough on Keely yet. Like we haven't necessarily, I don't think we've seen anything where Keely feels stressed about that, but we're seeing at least Rebecca not not being able to connect when she needs to right I mean we do see at the start that Keely schedules time to cry in her office so she's stressed but 
again, yeah, we don't see her yearning or needing Rebecca and not getting Rebecca in the way that we see it in the opposite. Yeah. Wait, also, could we all just get those cool things in Keely's office where she clicks a button and the chains go or it becomes like, oh, pay, what is the, whatever that is? I don't know. It's cool. Yeah, that was really it's a nice building she's in. Yeah. Good job, Keely. That's a nice job, investor Keely. you have. Maybe don't <laughs> fuck that up. <laughs> well, should we talk about Roy a little bit? Yeah. So Roy broke up with Keely. I think this was interesting that first of all everyone is just as devastated as we are about their breakup ted faints oh my gosh weird screams. that's a funny scene yes yeah <laughs> i did you know this show is so much about um kind of like questioning masculinity and like really like subverts the way we expect people who are masculine to be acting and i did really appreciate all of that stuff about the breakup and the way that they were all reacting to him because i was like oh they're so supportive i know they all cared so much which is as they would as they would of course but like yeah in this show of course it's really wonderful to to watch the care including jamie showing up and trying to give him a hug yeah (laughs) I mean, I, Jamie, Jamie's trying. I will give Jamie that. Jamie is really trying this season. I, yeah, I mean, Jamie's evolved a bunch and, and, and interesting to see like how they're, I mean, that, that is fun. Like there's a lot of fun in watching the Roy and Jamie friendship evolve, um, which I know we'll talk about in a, a little bit, probably when we're talking about Jamie more, but in any case, people are showing up and caring for Roy. Roy is like, I don't want to talk about it. Which haven't we all been there before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, his niece is saying she thinks he's making a mistake, right? His Phoebe weighs in, mm-hmm. says this is kind of silly. You're both busy, really. Way yeah, to wisdom from Phoebe. And he seems to be like he he certainly took it seriously. That's what I kept thinking as I was watching this storyline play out and over the course of a couple episodes is that it seems like he really is taking that decision seriously and as people are giving him feedback he's still like seemingly not sure he did the exact right thing and I thought that the then when they go to Chelsea which I think is episode two which is his old football club um that's where he had like really the peak of his career I thought it was really interesting what he shared afterwards about like he left. I mean, basically he left before he could get too old where he slowed down and he wasn't at his peak at that, um, at that club. And, you know, Ted basically says, Oh yeah, some people think it's better to quit than be fired. And like, you see that, that, that was Roy's mentality. And that was also his mentality and his relationship and that, He's he's at least reflecting on his time at Chelsea and kind of like wishing maybe or at least thinking about how he could have done that differently. And I imagine that's transferring also to the way he's thinking about Keely and their relationship. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times, what is that saying? How we do one thing is how we do everything. I don't know if I totally agree with that saying, but it is interesting in this case. Like, you know, we see him have this pattern of like 
ending while he's still like while it's still okay like where he's still okay and and mm-hmm. he says some a part of me thinks maybe i should have just stayed and fucking enjoyed myself and it does seem pretty clear to everybody and there's even a comment from the you know the other coaches <laughs> later mm-hmm. that like that's probably not just about his chelsea experience but it is interesting to see these patterns that we have in our in our lives and things that we we tend to do and and that it seems like he's reflecting on that. And and there's also this interesting moment. Oh, wait, I want to talk oh, yeah, specifically please. about that line. I, yeah. There was actually one more piece of that line that I think is really important. So he said, I should have just stayed and fucking enjoyed myself, but that's not who I am, I guess. Mm-hmm. And Ted responded and said, not yet. And I mm-hmm. think that, that is actually the like most important part of that interaction. At least to me, that's what stood out the most is like, Roy is again this this whole show has been about Roy wrestling with who he is and his identity right like who he is now who he was before and this is just more evidence of like that's who he thinks he is still and he it's almost as if he decided that's who he is and he has to behave in a way that reinforces that Mm -hmm. and I appreciate that Ted is looking at him and going like hey especially coming from Ted who has evolved very recently yeah I love that yeah that yeah. he's like hey hey there's you can you can be something else so yeah go ahead but I wanted no, to know great point a great point yeah I love that you shared that yeah yeah um I would just I was I was just also gonna uh mention the that there we learn we get a little backstory you know we haven't talked much about Trent Krim's presence in season three but Trent we you know we see that Trent Krim is writing a book about the team we see Roy being really ticked off about that expressing that to the team to not say anything to him we don't really know why and and, and as the season evolves we are seeing that um, we learn that Trent wrote an article about Roy that Roy still keeps in his wallet mm-hmm. <laughs> and and it's interesting because that's one of the few spots where Ted is like, hey, fix it. <laughs> I thought that was interesting too. Mm-hmm. That we don't often see Ted being like, here's what you need to do. But in this case, this disconnect between Trent and Roy seems to be causing problems. Ted says to fix it. And Roy does by saying, hey, I keep this article in my wallet about the like mean things that you said about me when I was a new player, basically. And Trent's admits that he did that because you know he was trying to make a name for himself and they seem to they seem to reconcile Mm -hmm. I thought that that so first with Ted and the way that he talked to Roy I think this is like a great example of how Ted is good at adapting to other people and what is going to work for them right like Mm -hmm. very direct very to the point that is what Roy is going to respond to right he couldn't an evasive Roy is going to not only respond to it but like be appreciative of how Ted talked to him so I thought that that was a great little insight into like yeah Ted knows how to talk to these people well in a way that is going to get the result he wants and then the interaction with Roy and Trent I thought was so interesting because the only other time we have seen them interact is the third episode of season one when Trent is following Ted around and they're at the the school with the kids and the only thing Roy says to him is Trent you're a massive prick you always have that and he walks away and wow, I was like, good memory oh my god that I mean I r- remember that scene really well and it, it didn't really 
I don't know, Roy was calling like everyone a prick and he was angry all the time. So you're kind of like, oh, it's just like who Roy is. But then that there was some level of like, like there is history here, probably history that Trent doesn't even remember at that point. And then the other thing with Roy, and I just think it's so interesting how we've seen little pieces of this peppered, is that happened. And then when he was a pundit, there the moment that he like left was when they were talking about there was a it was basically a new a 17 year old player was new he was his first game in the league and he's like what do you think that he's gonna do Roy and Roy's like I don't know he's 17 like he got real defensive and that's also what made him reflect on like we don't do anything what are we doing we just judge them and so seeing some of this reflection and like this has been sort of a part of his story throughout that like he had this like pretty it sounds like significant traumatizing thing happen at 17 and that's been with him a little bit and I was thinking about his anger and I'm like is he angry because of that has he always been angry or was it Trent Krim those are some interesting questions (laughs) but good good recall good recall yeah is there anything else well I guess what else do you want to talk about with Roy uh, I, I mean, I think that he's starting to like fully step into the mentorship role with Jamie, right? Like he offers to train him. And I, I think that that relationship, like we sort of saw it building throughout the whole show. And finally they're to a place where he is his mentor. And they're doing 4am workouts. Yes. The time that people are statistically least prepared to defend themselves. Good, good, good recall. Well, maybe let's see. Should we talk about Jamie for a minute since we were talking about them? Yeah. I mean, I think that Jamie's story, like he's again, just like sort of peppered in there. But what I, what is rising the top for me is Jamie really wants to be a leader. And I think he's starting to step into that role in a way that he wasn't willing to do in previous seasons. Yeah. It's interesting to watch his discontent with Zava's presence we haven't talked much about Zava here but you know Zava is this character that comes and apparently leaves it seems at this point that he's there and now he's gone but you know he's a superstar he his presence means that Jamie is not the best player on the team as he and Roy discuss and it seems like there's a mixture of him grappling with that but also in season two we saw him we saw him shifting and changing and we see what seems to be the his connection with all of the coaches and now especially Roy uh, seeming to have a positive effect on him right he wants to improve he finally is able to i mean i think that zava coming was jamie did not want Right. He specifically Mm -hmm. said to Ted, which I did think was a a great example of him starting to step into that leadership role as he went to Ted and he said, I don't think we should do it. We've got a good thing going here. We don't need him. I think he's basically I think he'll he'll screw it up. And Ted was said, we're going to give it some time. Like, thank you, but we're not going to do what you say, which is like what a good leader does is they take, you know, feedback and sometimes they make a decision one way or another. And then Jamie was like, 
not in a very non Jamie way was like, okay, well, thank you for listening and walked out. And and then he said to Beard, like, yeah, I know it was hypocritical <laughs> that I said that. And so we see this, like, Jamie is more self-aware. He's thinking of himself as a leader. He understands the dynamics of the team and actually cares about the dynamics of the team. Um, and so, you know, Jamie's maturing. Yeah. Yeah. It's neat. It's neat to see his evolution as well. So we're seeing all kinds of evolution. Oof. Let's see who's left. I guess it's Nate. I'm signed because now I like kind of am like starting to fall back onto Nate's side a little bit. What's happening for you? Well, I just think that Nate is finally doing some self-reflection. <laughs> I mean, we see, we, we see. In maybe. The, I think <laughs> I he so. is. Yeah. Maybe by now, maybe by the middle of it. Certainly not. It doesn't, at the beginning, he seems like he's still kind of digging his, his power, his new power role. Right. I mean, I think he's getting the praise from Rupert that he wants, which he has always been looking for a male figure to give him praise and accolades. And he's getting it from Rupert. And I think, you know, the, trailer i think it was the trailer for this season the song you can't always get what you want like was the song that yeah. was playing in it yeah. and that's all i could think about while i was observing nate interacting with rupert like yeah you think this is what you want but it's not like it's not what you need anyway um because i think he is starting to see the cracks in rupert and that like somebody who is cruel like that is not necessarily someone that is good for Nate or for like literally anyone. Oof, yeah. Yeah. I mean, just even noticing that. So, you know, I mean, we see the, at the beginning of this season, we see Nate being a jerk to everybody as he's walking into the team saying mean things about Ted, like doing the things that he was doing at the end of season two, just more. Right. Right. He's like still doing those things. He's getting a new car from Rupert. But then we start to see Rupert doing weird things like saying, call me Mr. Mannion. Oh, call me Rupert. Right. Like he's kind of doing weird. He's doing that kind of weird power play stuff. It's confusing for Nate, I feel like. And and that when they have the the game between West Ham and Richmond, we we do start to see Nate thinking about, like, how should I behave with Ted? Right. I mean, I think that we start to see Nate feeling some regret. Like, he's actually stepping back now that he's had quite a bit of time to think about how that all went down. And especially now, I imagine that Nate feels a bit more confident now that he is in that role. He's being successful as a head coach, right? His confidence mm -hmm. has built. Mm -hmm. And now he's able to look back and be like, ooh, I don't know that I behave. Like, there's some probably some regrets or at least some discomfort that he's feeling. And you kind of see him wrestling with that when the teams play each other. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And yet he's still, I mean, I'm not saying that I don't have compassion for Nate. I do, but I'm still watching his bad behavior and he doesn't shake, he doesn't shake Ted's hand at the end. You know I mean? Then he kind of catches himself, He but he doesn't catch himself until someone points it out to him. Like, Hey, right. you didn't, you know, the press says, Hey, you, did you mean to snub him? And then we see him be like, Oh, I didn't do that and try to go find Ted. But 
Rupert keeps interrupting. Rupert keeps interrupting those, or there are moments where he, um, is, yeah, he's interrupted and not getting to m- reconcile in any way with Ted. Well, Rupert knows how to isolate somebody, right? We know that about the way that he was with Rebecca. He isolated her from all of her friends and family. And Rupert is doing that same thing, right? He's isolating Nate so he can do his bidding for him. Um, I mean, and I think Rupert knows how dangerous Ted is to Nate. You know, not dangerous like in a literal way, but dangerous to interrupting what Rupert is trying to do with Nate yeah his agenda his agenda yeah yeah Yeah. and I I mean I think I think that I was appreciative to finally see some evolution on Nate's behalf starting to reflect and think about how he behaved and how could be better I also think at the end of season or season at the end of episode five is like when I saw the actually I think the most significant change in Nate so he went on that date with the model the model was like not impressed with the the restaurant this restaurant that he loves and left and he's interacting with that hostess who has always been like a little skeptical of him like she always seems to be fucking with him a little bit mm-hmm. and he she made a joke about the baklava and what he had said and then he he like he ba- he said I think what he said was oh yeah you know when I'm trying to impress people I apparently talk like my gran and she kind of laughed and it was the first time I, that I can think of that he was self-deprecating mm-hmm. not in a big way right he just like but he made a joke about himself and I keep thinking about that wonderkin <laughs> wonderkid Right. And he could never laugh at himself about that. He he was, still was denying it this season and being like, I think I was, I think I said Wonderkin. <laughs> and he, like, this was, it was small, but it was significant that he could finally laugh at himself. And it made him so much more endearing. I think, like, yeah. that's what made Jade <laughs> from fucking with him to actually talking to him. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see what happens next for Nate. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think I think we've talked about the main players. Um, we'll be now caught up with the show. So our next episode will be recapping or you know exploring season three, episode six, and hopefully that will be coming out Friday morning for you all. Thanks so much for listening to the PS Let's Talk Love podcast. We want to send out a special thank you to Medium Build for our show music. And if you enjoy this podcast, follow us anywhere you listen to podcasts. And if you want to support us, it's super helpful if you could give us a five-star rating and leave us a review sharing what you're loving right now. Really, we want to know. And if you don't like it and you got this far, don't worry. You do not have to listen to us again. You can just you can just forget this podcast exists and move along. You can catch up with us on Instagram at ps.welovelove or follow us on TikTok at psconsulting.
If you're interested in private coaching or learning more about our online classes, go to pscurators.com to learn more and find free resources to support you. See you next time.